0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Podcast episode, I talk with Travail C.W. Lynch about fostering self worth development in organizations. Travail C.W. Lynch, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Jonathan. I really appreciate being on your platform. Really appreciate this opportunity to uh, to really share this moment with you. So, so thank you very much. Well, thank you. I
0: appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join me and my listeners to explore um, some topics around self-development, um, pr- purpose, and, and well-being. We're going to focus our discussion today more specifically on those topics within the workplace but really as we were discussing in our pre-interview you know preparing for for uh, this podcast episode you know different aspects of our lives um, intersect and overlap and so while we'll focus on the workplace uh, I also recognize that these topics directly relate to our personal lives our family lives uh, our work in the community And such, and so um, we'll we'll see where the discussion takes us. Uh, As we get started today, I want to share Travail's um, bio with the listeners. Travail C.W. Lynch is a self-worth specialist, author of the new book "What Is Enough," and founder of I Am the Possible, a self-development company built on the philosophy that I am my possibilities. um, Excuse me, I and my possibilities are one and the same. Everything I hope to be tomorrow. I already am today. With the extreme passion and transparency, Travail has been captivating audiences for over 19 years. Through his thought-provoking yet highly applicable messages, Travail has become known as the voice they listen to. As a trusted communicator in both the business and faith-based community, Travail continues to present the um, innovative ideas that spark the imagination and inspires audiences to see themselves in ways they've never imagined before. Um, I love that. I love how you focus on the possible, and I love how you focus on the potential of every individual. Um, again, it's, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Anything else you would like to add by way of background or context with listeners before we really dive in?
1: Absolutely. Um, I just want to say really quickly that one of the things that I believe in, just one of my own personal philosophies and just core values is that whenever you're speaking, sharing, uh, preaching, teaching, communicating, uh, whenever you're adding value, that it's always best, at least in my opinion, that it's always best that it comes from um, a place of experience um, and from a depth uh, in terms of, you know, what you're sharing is a piece of you. And so I want the audience to know, I want you to know as the host, that anything that I say or, or share Um, it's not hearsay. It's not theoretic. It's not, I read it in a book and I just want to regurgitate someone else's thoughts or concepts. It's not that any of those things are bad, but it's, I want you to know that my intention is to share a piece of me. Um, All we have is denial. You know, I, I like to say, you know, tomorrow is a mystery. Yesterday is history. All we have is the right now. And so I want to you know, really give you, the host and this audience, my uh, absolute best and serve you as best I can by always giving you a piece of me. And so when I talk about self-worth, when I talk about potential, when I talk about the possible, it is because I know what it means to not have any of those things as a part of my life. I came from a background of having no value, no self-worth whatsoever. Um, and it got to a point where um, I literally had a gun put to my head at the age of 20. And I was willing to give my life for a $120 bag of marijuana. It was at, 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 at that turning point. As I look back, you know, all the, the guy wanted was a $120 bag of marijuana something that I literally smoked up a few hours later. Um, But the fact that he had a gun put to my head and he asked me on three separate occasions, give me what you have. And, you know, obviously I'm using proper language for this this moment, but he said some other things, right? You can just imagine really what he said. But he said, give me what you have. And I said, no, on three different occasions. And he pulled that, that trigger and by the miracle by the grace and mercy of God um according to my faith that that bullet didn't come out but i can tell you this i specialize in self worth i specialize in self value and self potential because i know from a deep intimate personal place what it means to not have any so i just wanted to lay that foundation and just let you know i know what it means to not see my possibilities um but I've grown, I've developed, and now I'm in a position to help other people, um, to have what I once didn't have. Um, So I just wanted to make that very clear.
0: I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing, uh, that background. And, you know, we all come from a place of varying privileges and varying, um, Difficulties. I think every human life has challenges. They just manifest themselves in different ways, and some people do have more challenges than others, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think your your overarching message of finding self worth uh, amidst that messiness and amidst the mm-hmm. the, the the pain and the, the suffering that people experience, um, recognizing what your what, who you are and what your potential is. That's, that's mm-hmm. at the core of what I try to do in my mm-hmm. business and in my podcast. And I know that's what you're trying to do. Um, and, and I, I really appreciate that because I think that's a message that we can't share enough. So many people, so many people have self-doubt. So many people have, um, they feel inadequate. Um, so many people, uh, go day in and day out with their lives kind of ruled by fear and anxieties and the stresses and, and um, limiting mindsets. Right. Right. And one of the things that people need to do in order to fulfill their potential is to learn how to set those things aside. Um, Mm. Regardless of how difficult the past may have been, you know, what can we, what can we learn from it? How can we grow from it? And how do we now move forward in a productive fashion so that we can make the most of what we've been given and and then pay it forward and help others do the same, it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing yeah, absolutely i couldn't agree more <laughs> well exactly. so let's let's talk a little bit more about um self worth self worth specifically now you're a religious man, um, I am as well, um, so we 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 probably bring faith into our how we would define that, but leaving you know specific kind of theological types of um Uh, descriptions aside, you know, for Mm, for this particular audience, I still think there's a lot we can discuss in terms of like, what does that mean? What is self worth? And what does that mean to you?
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Self worth for me is self self want. Um, I think that when you look at the word self uh, and worth, uh, if you were to separate those two for anything to be worth something, it has to be wanted. It has to be desired. It has to be um, valued, right, in the eyes of, you know, as they say, beauty is in the eye of of the beholder. So the worth has to be in the eye of the beholder. And I think that, um, at at least in my own experience, my path and journey has led me to believe that the quickest way uh, for for my worth, right, because if we're dealing with self-worth, it's how valuable, how wanted am I in my own eyes, then the, the way that I got here was understanding that I was wanted by a creator. And that creator can be whatever you name it. Like I say, you name it, you frame it, whoever you either pray to or, or, or kind of whatever your theological um, ideals are, uh, it's, it's that the fact that you came from a source, that you came from a creator. And that creator, that source, wanted you. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I was created, I am creation, I I am that which was created, then like anything else, if it was created, then it was wanted, it was desired. Um, There was a need for it. Um, It filled a void. Um, it, 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 It is a solution to a problem. It's an answer to a question. Um, and so, when I think about self worth it 's I was created, I came from a source i came from I came from something that wanted me, and so that 's the beginning that 's the foundation. If I came from something that wanted me, then I must have a place, I must have a position, I must have possibilities, I must have potential, I must be valuable because I exist and so then, when you begin to look at it from that perspective, it opens up. The heart it opens up the mind to that curiosity that I, that I think um, is so needed in our culture, the curiosity of self um, and the self-discovery process um, that really leads us to understanding, wait a minute. If I didn't happen by chance and I began in the mind of, of a creator, and that creator wanted my existence to be, and now I am, that is a bedrock clue indicator that I am worth something now the journey begins for me to discover what I'm worth
0: yeah I love that and it it, it starts with the assumption that uh, that there aren't any mistakes in who we are. We are who right. we are that's and right. we, can, we can be our authentic self and we can discover our talents, our passions, uh, and, and learn over time how to leverage those, right? For yes. the benefit of ourselves, for our families, for people in the workplace, uh, for our communities. Mm. Um, and and I, I think that's a similarly important mindset to have if I'm an organizational leader. Um, There are different styles of leadership. So some leaders, um, I say leader, but I don't actually think this approach is actually leadership. But there are some people who are leaders who, you know, really kind of have a power control mentality. Um, They're more micromanaging. They kind of start with the assumption of the limited potential of individuals and people are lazy. They're going to try to get away with whatever they can get away with. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they have to like hover and and, like watch them like a hawk to make sure they're, they're doing their work. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's actually leadership. Um, And, (laughs) and so I I don't want to make any mistake about that, but people who have that mindset, they don't see uh, the people that work for them the way you just described. They don't see Mm -hmm. um, people um, as this, this perfect um, Mm -hmm. person who has something unique to contribute, right? Wow. But when, when people have what I would actually call a real leadership mindset, you know, when, they, when they're actually focused on lifting those around them, um, empowering those around them, finding ways mm-hmm. to, to maximize the potential of those around them, then, then they absolutely have that mindset. They have a growth mindset, they understand the benefits of, of the people on their team, uh, mm. flaws and strengths, you know, every, right. everything, bring everything to the table and, and then figure out ways to leverage that. And it starts, right. it starts with this assumption though, that these people are individuals of innate value of innate, mm. uh, innate, uh, human value and potential, and yes. that we need to treat them with dignity and respect, um, not only to honor that, but to also bring out the best from us, yes. right? Absolutely. Yes, yes. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Yes.
1: So that so, so needed.
0: <laughs> it is it is needed. And so Ooh. so what do you think from both the individual standpoint, me as I'm trying to self-reflect and think about who I mm. am, where I came from, what my potential might be and how I can fulfill it? Um, uh, but also from the leadership standpoint, how do I help my people to think that way? How do I help people to take the blinders off, to to mm. set aside the limiting thoughts and to start driving forward towards their greatest potential? What are yeah. some of the things they, that we can do?
1: Yeah, I think some of the things um, that, that really come to mind for me and, and some of the things that I teach those that I work with, um, that it, it all begins with self-observation. I think that many times, uh, and, and there's many different terms for it, whether it's self-observation, which is the word or, or, the, or the term that I use most, um, but it's self-observation, self-perception, self-assessment, because it is this idea that, you know, when we're born into, you know, today's culture, we're, 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 okay, let me put it this way. (laughs) I believe that we're, uh, that we're pressured to run before we learn how to walk, right? Walk before we learn how to crawl, right? We're like fast-tracked, to success and power and leadership and all of these you know, aesthetic external accomplishments before we are really rooted and grounded in self. And so the first thing that I would always say is as a leader leading others and as those being led, the greatest thing that you can do for yourself and those that you lead is to take time to observe. I think they were so fast we are so, as we say, microwaved in our society, we're so get rich quick, get done fast, shortcuts, 10 steps to everything, that we've lost the appreciation for observation. What I find is when you observe something, and I don't care what it is, you learn how to behold something. And when you behold something, you hold it in attention where now you're truly objective. You're not caring about how it's going to benefit or not benefit you, how it's going to possibly impact you negatively or positively. We're not driven by our passions. We're in a pure place where we can look at those that we lead and say, let me just watch you. And what I find in the workplace, because I've gone through this myself, man, I am a teacher. I love to teach. I am best on a stage. I am best when I'm presenting. I am best when I'm speaking and articulating. But guess what? I've been in corporate America for 14 years, and the percentage that I am used to do what I love most and do best is about 5%. Because I live in a construct that says, I need for you to do these things And even though there's opportunities for you to shine as a speaker and as a orator, those moments and those things are reserved for these other positions. And according to, you know, the job description and the rules and the regulations, we're going to box you into this over here. So my point is, is I could be, slam dunking some of these presentations. I could be in the boardroom probably getting so many initiatives passed, so many minds changed, the organization turned in so many other directions, but I'm not being observed to say, what are your true qualities? What's your, what's your niche? What's your best thing? What, what, where are you most strong? And then how, as, I, as a company leader, leverage what you do absolutely best to then help and to grow this organization? So I just think that it begins with observation, observing your people and you being the people, right? Being led, observing yourself and growing in your appreciation of, hey, wait a minute, I do this extremely well. And I wanna find ways and opportunities within my current organization to really shine through what I organically do. And if I'm not able to get that, uh, in a reasonable amount of time, and I'm not telling anyone to quit their jobs, <laughs> but you may want to start to because we only live once, you know, hey, you might want to start to look at maybe there's a career change or transition, but where I can get to a place where I can be used uh, in what we call our superpowers, what we do extremely well. so that would be the first step.
0: yeah, well, I love that, and I think again if if we're in tune to ourselves and we understand our passions and we understand our, um, our talents and our unique contributions to be made, um, then that puts us in a better position to start to craft, to craft the career that would best suit ourselves. Now, I don't know about you. I know for me, it took me a while to figure that out, right? I, I switched majors in college four times. Um, you know, I, I changed kind of career paths. Uh, a few different times before I kind of landed where I'm at now. And now I'm very comfortable, but I also recognize, I don't know how old you are. I'm 41. I still have a lot of work life ahead of me. Um, And as much as I feel good about where I've landed, I also could end up doing other things in the next 30 years. Right. Um, And so just, just keeping my mind open to possibilities and opportunities as they arrive, I think is really important. And just being true to ourselves. Um, For example, one of the, I I was an accounting major at one point. Now, nothing against accountants, Um, (laughs) you know, we need accountants and I'm glad there are people who are good at accounting and want to do that. I was pretty good at it and I was at a school where they had a really quite prestigious program and so I convinced myself that that's what I should do because I was good at it and I would be able to make a contribution. The problem was I didn't like it um, and I couldn't. As time went on i I just really couldn't even imagine myself doing that day in and day out uh and so luckily, fortunately, as kind of a young immature kid trying to figure myself out i, I don't I'm not even sure why but i I had the the foresight at that point to to recognize you know what it doesn't matter that this is a good program that I'm going to be guaranteed you know well paying jobs you know if if I hate my work, I'm going to hate my life. <laughs> and, right, right. <laughs> and, and it's going to be really hard. And so I, I switched and, and I ended up going down a completely different path. And most people thought I was crazy at the time, but it was the right decision. And, and I think all of us have those kind of decision points um, that we have to uh, deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we can be in tune to ourselves, that gives us a better chance of then tapping into our, our true passions. And organizational leaders can help us do that they can help yes. us find our purpose they can help us find uh, and leverage what we're really good at um mm. and you know that the fact that you say you're utilized about 5% of what you feel like your real passion is that's so sad but i yeah. think that's i think that's super common um mm. that's that's a common that's a common situation for a lot of employees especially mm. earlier on in their careers and so it requires leaders to listen it requires leaders mm like you said, to to make sure that they're attentive and observant. And if you know, you have to know your people. You have to develop relationships with your people. And if you do that, you'll then know how to best maximize them and and help them uh, build on their own potential. And it may just be Mm -hmm. giving them little projects here and there. Um, They, you know, everyone has to do stuff in their job that they don't really like doing. So we're, we're, we're never going to eliminate that, but, but it shouldn't be 5% doing what you love, you know, like maybe it can be 75% doing what you love and 25% of kind of the crummy work (laughs) that nobody wants to do. Um, But we can, we can shape that. We can create meaningful work in organizations and as
1: leaders. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) No, I, again, I, I, again, I I couldn't agree more. It's it it is the responsibility of those who are in those leadership positions. I just think, and I was having a conversation with my wife the other day about this, um, about the difference between no, actually, it was my oldest son. Um, I'm I'm a 43, by the way, um, was the difference between leaders and uh, managers, and because my my son. Um, Uh, is a, he's in a manager position, but there's, you know, a uh, hierarchy. So there's a manager over him who micromanages and and who is really bought into um, the educational uh, PMO style of management. Well, the book says, I've got to do these things. And the book says, you know, being a great manager or a leader, right, is to do these things. And it's so impersonal. It's so not observing. It's so um, insensitive uh, that you're more robotic in your approach to your leadership. And there's such a disconnect uh, with this with this individual and the rest of the staff that my son was was um, you know letting me know about. And so I say, well, son, in this world we have we have leaders and then we have managers. Leaders lead. And one quality about a leader is, you know, I said, son, a leader leads people somewhere. There's always a vision. There's always, you know, leaders should be visionaries. They should have a vision, even if it's at Pizza Hut where my son works, even if it's at a restaurant. There should still be a vision. Where are we going today as a team? Where are we traveling today as a team? But that sense of creativity and and uh, wonder and amazement, um, I think to life itself has been, you know, really just drained sort of out of, out of, out of corporate. Um, and so I, I, you know, still being a part of corporate, I look for opportunities to bring that creativity and to bring that color, as I like to say, back to the boardroom, back to corporate America because it's gotten so bland and so, so gray and dull, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. So anyway, that's a little tangent I go on because that I do feel so passionate about. is it, it doesn't have to be that way. We're making it that way, but it doesn't have to be that
0: way. Absolutely. It does not have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there are systems in place and they can be changed. So uh, we, we don't have to <laughs> maintain the status quo that's right. when it's unhealthy and that's when it's right. unproductive. Um, well, Travail, it has been a pleasure talking with you. A real honor. Um, we're about out of time for today. Sure. Um, but before we go, I want to make sure I give you a chance to share with the listeners how they can get connected with you oh, sure. and find out more about what you're doing.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, I can be found on the web. Um, if you just Google, I am the possible. Um, it, it's is nearly impossible to to not find me. But uh, my official website, I am the com. You can find me there. Find more about what I'm doing, what's uh, what's what's in development, uh, what's soon to come, um, information about my new book, um, and uh, you know so so much more. But Iamthepossible.com the possiblecom or simply Google I am the possible, and uh, you will surely find me there. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: I hope my listeners will reach out to Travail and utilize uh, his expertise, and I hope everyone will stay healthy and safe and find continual meaning and purpose in your work. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.